This the remix. Yeah, I'm just going to try to get the win right there. In overtime, I think our chances of winning right there were a little bit higher than in overtime, maybe, if you calculate it out. But felt good about it, thought we had a good play. And, you know, again, they made a really good play. i got to give that safety a lot of credit for getting out there and tipping that ball. Things got testy. Still a chance, you know. What's the, so you're saying there's a chance? Isn't that the old movie line or whatever? Listen, I've seen crazy things happen in this league, and so we've got to hold up our end of the bargain. That starts next week. When we get back to Atlanta, we've got to find a way to have a really good week of practice, get ourselves in position to play well next Sunday, and keep that narrow focus and see what happens. Come on! They snap it to Burrow, throws downfield for a wide open boy, catches it to 30, great yeah. jump cut, back toward the middle of the field yeah. to the 10, the nice. 5, touchdown! A 56-yard answer, Joe Burrow to Tyler Boyd, and the Bengals are back in front. You just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Is this right? Are the Raiders only favored by two and a half points? Yeah. How? They got Johnny the safe. Jo- because Johnny Johnson the third's playing, that's why. Let me see here. This, like... Am uh, I wrong for yeah, thinking? Yeah, they're only they're yeah. laying two and a half. Am I wrong for thinking the Raiders should win this game by two touchdowns? That's well, the Raiders. I, I don't know. I might I might side with Cleveland because they might be telling you something. If that's the line, they might be like, yeah, we're going to entice you here to jump all over this. Browns are down to their third string quarterback. Browns are down uh, three corners and two safeties in the secondary. Like, even with John Johnson back, they're still down two other safeties that would be playing or starting. Like, if they, listen, if this is a close game in the fourth quarter, sure, if the Raiders pull it out and win, good. Their their playoff hopes are alive. Good for them. But, like, they should win this game by multiple scores. Am I wrong in thinking that? I know they just got embarrassed by Kansas City. I'm aware. We I've watched plenty of their games where they look horrible. They don't have 20 players. There's 53. On, they don't almost have, don't have half their active roster. I think it's because what uh, the quarterback did to them when he was with the Niners. I think that's <laughs> three it. years ago. Yes. Three They're years ago. I think the, the books the, are like, well, that right. Nick Mullins remember game? what Mullins did that one game, two and a half total around 40. So they're expecting, well, I mean, the, why? The, why would the they Browns, expect forty? I know the Browns are going to hand off like sixty-six times. So I don't know why they're expecting forty. So you're ta- okay. So they think this game's going to be roughly like twenty-one they're, to twenty is yeah. what they're thinking. Yeah, that's kind of what they're saying. And there's two and a half. I again, the, I I don't know lines. I don't bet. I'm not any good at it. But when you see something like that, it ought like it did to you. It automatically stops you and say, okay, what are they saying here? Like there's something going on. There's just no way that that line should be two and a half, even if it is there. I just they've got to win. They like they're winning this game, right? We're not we're not showing up here tomorrow talking about the Raiders having lost to the deep well, depleted Browns, are we? I don't know, but if we do, we know what the opening segment's about. Oh my god! There's no there's no way they lose. They're, they they can't lose <laughs> this game. I mean they they well, definitely they, can. They definitely no. can. No. They don't have twenty something players. <laughs> Jets and the Giants. They don't have they're, they're, those are, re- but those are real football teams. This is no longer a real football team. They're playing. They're playing so, half a CFL roster because they have beaten them four times. So that's that's not a good comparison. I was going to say they go in and Nick Mullins for whatever reason is Nick Mullins when he plays against the Raiders. More surprising of that, or that Tampa Bay never got to the red zone. <laughs> well, the Tampa Bay never got to the red zone because that's <laughs> yes, that's 
the, the red zone. Offense. Exactly. Come I'm on. not even saying shut out. Yeah. I'm saying they never get to the, the red, red zone. zone. Yeah, yeah, come on. Come on, Tampa. Yeah. Get to the red zone. But I just, I can I cannot imagine them losing this game. I can't do it. I know they're bad. I've watched them be bad. They can't do it. They're winning this game, and they're winning it easily. Okay. That's They have to be. All right. They have to be. Unrelated, I just got an email from Taco Bell. <laughs> The manager, the local what, manager heard you talking about it. They've got burritos. Buy one, get one free. Oh, man. Daly could go crazy on that. He wouldn't have to spend $400. He could have got $900 worth of food yeah, for $400. Oh, my God. John Daly messed up. He was a few days early. Just think about that. Oh, you get on the app. You're like, it's buy one, get one free. Well, give me a thousand of them. You know when the Uber Eats guy runs in and the, and the, the order's made for you and he just looks at the name and picks it up? You know how many bags that poor kid had to pick up? He kept looking, John, John, John. Did that story say how much John Daly tipped? I'm assuming oh. it didn't. Oh. But well, here's the thing. Really? When you, well, when you when you when you order online on whatever, it, it asks. Uh, you. It puts like it'll it say like tip your tip, and then you select. Yes. But normally, it's default at like 15. Yes. percent So I'm assuming if John Daly completely forgot. That he even ordered this, that he just was clicking through and tipped whatever the default percentage so, was. So we have to subtract 15% from 440. Yeah. Well, I'm saying this guy, I mean, he had to have gotten at least 50 bucks out of sure. this, depending on what oh, the I'm app sure. was set up. To I go. mean, given what that did to Daly's body, the Uber Eats guy made out better than everyone. <laughs> I mean, he, he got like 50 bucks and he didn't probably have to eat any of it, and he just brought it in. If. Okay, the entire Raiders <laughs> roster ate $440 worth of Taco Bell at noon before the game today, which right now it's noon in Cleveland. So if right now they're all eating $440 worth of Taco Bell, then I could understand it's a two-point uh, spread for the, in favor of the Raiders. Based on what we understand, Taco Bell might be the only thing open. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Sheets is open, Jared. Sheets. The gas station convenience store, Sheets, Sheets is open. I just I don't know I don't I can't I can't get past this this two point line here. It they, they've got to be better than that. All right, here's a question for you. We've talked about it a little bit. Why won't they consider playing Marcus Mariota? I'm I, not saying they should play him in this game against Cleveland, but it's become very clear from the way Rich Bisacci has, has answered these questions, and also very clear from how they don't put Mariota in the game that they are not going to play no. Marcus Mariota. I really think, and I haven't changed my mind on this, because they still believe they have a chance to make the playoffs, and I think the minute you would do that, you would lose Derek Carr forever, and I think they're afraid of that. Why? Like, why well, would Rich Derek Bisaccia Carr. be afraid oh, of oh, that? Oh, I thought you meant, why would you lose Derek Carr? Well, I mean, if you still think you have a playoff run, which one do you want playing? Right, I got it. You want yeah, Derek Carr I got playing? It. I got it, absolutely. But I'm saying, like... I don't know. I've never seen Mario to play, <laughs> except for, like, one zone read. <laughs> so, like... Last year, they didn't. Mariota played against the Chargers when Carr hurt his groin. Right. Right. And played pretty well. Nothing spectacular, but well enough that they had a chance to win in overtime. But then Derek Carr came back the next week. And despite having the groin injury like six days earlier, he came back and played. And there was, and then when they were eliminated from the playoffs, there was no consideration to play Mariota. But now, if you are Rich Basaccia or Mike Mayock or anybody that's associated with this team, why would you be worried about losing Derek Carr forever? You're you're not going to be back. Derek Carr might not be back. I just, I just don't like. I can understand if that's the idea that you're going to lose Carr forever. 
okay, you maybe don't do it last year when you're John Gruden and you're going to be back next year and you're thinking Carr's going to be back. But who's going to be back from this team? Like, why would you be worried about losing the guy? Like, it, you're probably all gone well, anyway. But if you if you still think he's the best option you have and you still think you have a chance at the playoffs, right, right now, that has to be the only reason yeah, yeah. why. Right now, absolutely. But it just sounds like there is zero chance that they are going to play Marcus Mariota. Oh. Even Look, if, if they would lose today, yeah, they'd be yeah. completely disappointed if they didn't play him the last two games. But they didn't do it last right, year. Right, right. But like, that's what I'm saying. Like right, if they, right. like, if okay. they lose when this game, their season's over. They're not right. making the playoffs. You telling me they're still not playing Mariota? Because yeah. the way the way Rich Bisacci has talked about it, they're not playing Marcus no. Mariota. He's not seeing the field except for maybe a gadget the, play. The, the, yeah, the run plays that they right. put him in for. Or if Carr gets hurt. And that's what I just, I don't know. I don't comprehend that. I don't get that from a standpoint of being afraid of it. And also, the other question is, he's the head coach at the moment? Does Ritz Basaccia have the authority to change quarterbacks? Oh, it's a great question. Like who's you're not really sure what Mayock's saying to him. Right. Who's well, it's making, either Mayock or him. Yeah, who's making that? Are we sure? The way they're running go, it, it might be Derek one? Carr. Oh, I thought you were going to go one level above Mayock. Maybe it's Mark Davis. That's that's that that's would a surprise fair question. me. It would too. It would that would surprise me, me that it went up that high, and he'd be like, you know, especially when they're out of the playoffs, he'd probably shrug his shoulders and say, "Well." But all right, let me give you this hypothetical: Derek Carr is awful in game. He is terrible today. Look, today, whatever game, he's terrible today. I'm talking Nathan Peterman level four interceptions in the first half. Former Raider. Does Rich Bisaccia bench him in that scenario? Does he say this has uh, been a not, train wreck? He didn't do it a few games ago, right? No. When but, we were thinking, oh, yeah. well, this is the time. Where is he? And then we asked him afterwards, and he said there was absolutely yeah. no thinking to go to Mariota. Because they didn't put Mariota in against Kansas City when they yeah. were down four touchdowns right. or five touchdowns, whatever that was. We were thinking halftime. Yeah. We were actually at our binoculars out looking on the sideline <laughs> yeah. to see if he was warming up. So, like, if because I can understand if, like, the idea that Rich Passaccia is not going to make that decision I can understand, hey, you know, he talks to Mayock or Greg Olson about it, and they say, all right, Carr's the guy no matter what. But in game, if, like, he throws five picks in the first half, but the defense stands up and they're down 10 nothing at halftime, and it's like you still have a chance to win and Carr's been dreadful, does Rich Passaccia have the authority to say, we're going to Marcus oh, Mariota in the second half? I think he does in game. Okay. I think in game he would have it. Now if, it's, so. now, if it's during the week and they're talking about, are we going to play Marcus, then I think Mayock is involved in those conversations. Okay. But in game, I mean, Mike Mayock's up at the, he's up with us in the press box. He literally like sits right by us each game and either is happy or pounding the table, uh, <laughs> depending on how they're playing. Or with the Chiefs, I think there was no emotion whatsoever because the game was over so fast. But I think in game, now, again, in game, you might say, hey, Oli, hey, Oli, what do you think? Because he always seems to defer to those two guys, Bradley and, Ol- and Olsen. But in-game, he'd have to have the power to change quarterbacks. And, again, he's not coming back as the head coach. Why wouldn't he? I mean, I you're, not, you're just you're not, it's not like you're making a decision right. to save your job. You're yeah. not going to be the head coach. All right. Uh, you want to do score predictions now? I know which way you're going. The Raiders have to win. <laughs> If they if they lose this game and it's at like I think they're thirty four seventeen I don't think it's remotely okay. close. Twenty four twenty. Oh my god! Who? I just Raiders. Okay. I'm just. I look at that line and like I said, being a complete amateur in that stuff, I'm like, 
why is it only that? Like, what what are they saying there? What do, and how? And here's the thing: with 20 players gone from Cleveland, as much as these guys are tremendous at what they do at the books and setting lines, what could they know? Right. There's 20 gate. There's 20 guys out. Right. What, what could they suddenly say? Well, you know, in that matchup, that matchup, we're not going to say anything. That's why we think this is going to happen. We'll make it two and a half. Whatever formula they go through to get to the line, you can't do that when there's 20 guys out. Yeah. It's not you're, you're not evaluating because that's the thing. You're not just evaluating the Browns down to their third string quarterback and like, oh, well, we know the rest of the roster and they're just yeah. down to Nick Mullins. You don't know the rest of the roster. No. That's why the Raiders are going to win by 17 points. All right, Jared, what's your Jared? scoregami? 22-18. That is actually uh, right on the like point spread yes. slash total prediction, too. Yeah, that's what I was We've never for. had 22-18. No. All right. Eight, uh, I, was, I was thinking 18-18. But, uh, <laughs> I, was, I was thinking the other day because there was a scoregami, and I don't... The Raiders. It was the Raiders Chiefs. Yeah, it the Raiders Chiefs. Yes, it was the Raiders Chiefs scoregami. Okay. And I, I heard it, it on was, SportsCenter. I'm like, hey, Jared. <laughs> yeah. But it was one of those... It was a scoregami because we've never had a team just basically like shutouts we've had a ton of right. but like show up and get a gentleman's six <laughs> kick a field goal down 35 nothing yes. <laughs> in the last few seconds of the first half uh, wanted to feel good about it wanted to feel good coming uh, off that field ritz Masaccia is saying it was going to give him some hope yeah. oh i cannot but he actually <laughs> said that give us some hope 35 three is a much bigger much more hope than 35 nothing oh i loved it all right coming up next it's bischoff's briefs Bischoff's Briefs. I'm afraid we need to use math. Bischoff's Briefs. I knew I should have checked your showboating globetrotter algebra. Bischoff's Briefs. Man, I thought you knew that algebra was all razzmatazz. Bischoff's Briefs. Yes, I see. Something involving that many big words could easily destabilize time itself. Bischoff's briefs today. We're taking a look at an interesting decision for Kevin Kruger and UNLV basketball. Victor Ewalker might be able to get a medical redshirt this season or might have to take a medical redshirt, depending on how you look at it. We saw Victor Ewalker for just over five minutes against Seattle this year. Uh, Seattle did not score. When he was on the floor, it was clear Victor Ewalker was a very good defensive player. He forced a turnover in his very first possession that he checked in. So not really sure how good he is on offense. We didn't see him do anything on that side of the floor, but he would certainly be a very useful, very helpful player. But he has had a shoulder injury that has caused him to miss all but one game this season. And apparently he re-injured it in that game. And we haven't seen him since Uh, Mike Grimala wrote about Victory Walker and the potential that he takes a medical redshirt. Now, to get a medical redshirt, you have to play in less than 25% of your team's games, and you cannot play in the second half of the season, right? So we're coming up on that date. Mike did the math for us. January 5th. If Victory Walker plays on or after January 5th, that would be the second half of UNLV's season, and he would be ineligible for a medical redshirt. Now, This all sucks for the current team because they can use all the help they can get, and especially in the front court. So far, it's been Royce Ham, and when he's got to go to the bench because of foul trouble or just because he's not playing 40 minutes a night, 
They've made, gotten mostly bad minutes from David Bawaka or Reese Brown. They've played really small at times with like Donovan Williams sliding down to play a very small ball center position, which has worked in some situations. Uh, but having Victor Ewalker would be a massive boost. They'd have another competent guy that can play center on the floor. But what's interesting is if you kind of look to the future of UNLV, because this year, not that it's irrelevant, but they're not going to the NCAA tournament unless they win the Mountain West tournament. They're not going to the NCAA tournament. The Kevin Kruger era, the success of Kevin Kruger is going to be defined by, you know, years two, three, and four, right? What he does in those three years is going to be what determines if Kevin Kruger continues to be the coach at UNLV or if they've got to find another one or hell, they might have to find another one if he's too good. Uh, and that's where it's interesting with Victor Ewalker because he can be in college for a really long time. He's played two years of college basketball at Oklahoma. This is his third year of college basketball. Normally, right? He'd have this year and next year, and those would be his last two years of college basketball. But everyone got an extra year because of COVID. COVID. Anybody that was playing basketball, they got an extra. That's why Royce, Royce Ham wouldn't be playing college basketball this year right. at UNLV, but everybody got a, a year back because of COVID. Royce Ham has used that to play at UNLV this year. And now you throw in this medical red shirt for Victor Ewalker, which means this year wouldn't count if he were to get a medical red shirt. Victor Ewalker could be at UNLV for four years and play in three of them, right? He wouldn't play this year, but he could be at UNLV for four years and play in three of them, which means after this year, they could conceivably have three more years of Victor Ewalker. Now, again, we've only seen him for five minutes. He might just end up being a role player, right? A good defensive center who you don't really want to be playing 35 minutes a night. Or he could be awesome. He could be like one of the two best players on a team that's good enough to go to the NCAA tournament. We'll see. That's sort of the varying of outcomes you could get from him. But you also have the possibility that Victor Ewalker doesn't actually stay at UNLV for that long, right? It's very rare for players to stay at a school for four years. Hell, it's very rare to get three years of playing time out of one player in college basketball. We see a lot of player movement, whether it's guys that go to the NBA or whether it's guys that just simply go to a different college and transfer. So I'd say it's unlikely that Victor Ewalker spends four years at UNLV, but there's the possibility that those three years that'll define the Kevin Kruger era, Victor Ewalker's here for all three of them. There's a possibility this guy's one of their best players for the next three years and is a big reason why the Kevin Kruger era fails or succeeds because this guy could have eligibility for the next three years, could be a very important player on this team for the next three seasons. I mean, just reading what Mike said and all you say about UNLV basketball, what you write, I would redshirt him. I probably would, too. I would redshirt him. I think the, the the reason you wouldn't is, again, the likelihood that this guy stays for all three years is pretty small. Oh, yeah, nowadays. Right. And so you could play him this year and then play him next year and – that's it. Or, you know, you could play him this year, not play him this year, play him next year. And he could transfer after that. Right. right? Like that's the thing. If Victor Ewalker is like awesome next year at UNLV, like, go to, like you go to power five right. or back to one, he could he transfer again or go pro somewhere. Even if it's not NBA, you could just say, yeah, I've been in college for a long time now. I'm just going to go play professionally because I'm ready to get paid. So like, if you're counting on him being here three years down the road, is a good chance he's not. But I think there's a good chance they do end up redshirting him because you look at it and what we've heard from Kevin Kruger all along is like he's not sure on the timeline. And some of that, I think, has been like coach speak, not wanting to give away when Ke- uh, Victor E. Walker could play. 
But the quote he gave to Mike Ramallah was he's like, you know, it's a, it's a shoulder injury. It's not one that you see a lot in basketball. He's like, a lot of times, you know, if it's an ankle injury, there's so many ankle yeah. injuries in basketball. You know exactly how long he should be out. Right. But he kept the, the quote Kevin Kruger gave was like, we don't really know. Like, it's a shoulder injury. We don't really well, know the exact timeline. If you don't really know and the deadline's the first week of January, then I think you redshirt him. Right. And that's what I think is going to be interesting here because, because well, okay, the other possible outcome is they could decide, okay, January 5th, he's not ready to come back yet. We're not playing him. But, like, what if UNLV goes on, like, an eight-game winning streak in Mountain West play and then he's ready? He's ready, you know, February 5th, right? He's you could you could make the argument, bring him back. Like, hey, this team could win the Mountain West. Bring him back. Like, let's go. We burn the medical redshirt year, even if it's for you know eight games in the Mountain West tournament. It might be worth it to do it if you get off to a start. Now, if they're five hundred, you know, if they're six and six or something like that, no, you're not bringing right. him back for that. But if they get off to a really good start, you could see the argument for. It. But well, yeah, I think I think the ultimate best case scenario is going to be a medical redshirt, just because this team they don't they don't have an NCAA tournament hope aside from the three if, games and three days in March. If you go to him. In February, and he really, really wants to play. He'd have two more if he stayed. Uh yeah, he'd have his normal year oh, plus well, another COVID year. Two years a lot. I think the kid would want to play. Right, I would too. So, yeah, it, I, it, I think it depends a lot on the scenario where UNLV is, and also the way Kevin Kruger talks about the injury. How confident are they that it's a hundred percent healed? Because right. the worst case scenario would be you bring him back in February. He plays one game, re-injures hurt, it again, and then he's out, and, and then, then he's he, done for he's the season. The year. And you can't get a medical redshirt right. if you play in February. So that's worst case scenario, and that's what you'd have to weigh: is how healthy is he? Right? If if he's a hundred percent, then you're probably bringing him back. Right. But if it's like, yeah, feel good, but we're not a hundred percent sure. Like the last time against Seattle, right? Where he re-injures it, and it's right. oh, okay. So I think that'll go a long way in determining how comfortable they are with his shoulder. At that point, and the way Kevin Kruger's talked about it, they may never be comfortable with it. It might just be a, a problem the entire the season, time. and they never really think he's 100% right. And if that's the case, you don't really risk burning an entire year no. to maybe get one game from him in February. Coming up next, Miles Simmons joins the show. And even Andy Reid is laughing about the appearance of the field goal kicker down 35 nothing. Yeah, true. Twenty-six yard, down five touchdowns, and you got a field goal. That's the end of the first half, and an embarrassing half it was. Kansas City thirty-five, Las Vegas three. It's the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Joining us now from Pro Football Talk is Miles Simmons. You can follow him on Twitter at Miles A. Simmons. Good morning, Miles. Hey, How Miles. Are you? Good morning, gentlemen. I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Uh, all right. Holiday. Did the Raiders, Eagles, and Seahawks get screwed by the NFL? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I, you can say so, I suppose, but I, I might disagree. I mean, look, it, it's a weird, weird situation, and I think that you know, even a week and a half ago, right? Maybe even just a week ago, nobody could have anticipated that you would get COVID explosions within three teams, right? I just, I don't know that anybody would have thought that with, you know, vaccinations and with the way that really 14 weeks of the NFL season had gone. I mean, you can even go back to training camp, you know, and add like what, six weeks. So we're basically like 20 weeks 
into the season and things have gone smoothly basically from an operational standpoint when it comes to COVID, right? You have one positive here, a positive there, guys test out of it and it doesn't seem like these big clusters are happening and all of a sudden, boom, 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 right? Like you just get so much of it with one team then another team and another team. And really you can even add the Bears. Um, they've got a lot of guys on their COVID list. Houston's got a lot of guys too. It's not you know, upwards of 20 plus, but I just think it's one of these weird situations that nobody could have anticipated. And, like, yeah, you could say that, you know, well, these teams were ready to play. I, I, if, of, any, of all the teams, like, I feel like the Raiders have the most to be like, man, like, this is a little ridiculous because when you are about 26, out, 26 hours out from kickoff and you find out that actually, you know, don't get on the plane, don't get on the buses because this game is moving to Monday, like, I can understand being frustrated by that. But I also think, like, look, this is a very – this is a unique of unique situations. We're in a pandemic and we're almost two years into this and you have another variant that comes and springs up and it's just like, Oh no, everybody's testing positive now. It's just, it's weird. Stand down. They were told to stand down. <laughs> yeah. Stand, yeah. Don't get on stand the bus. Down. Stand down. Yeah. Whoever said that, uh, these new protocols, uh, we're wondering about this. So vaccinated aren't tested, uh, unless they show symptoms. Is this an honor system? Because if I have a little uh, fever or I'm sniffing a little and, the, you know, have a little cold, I mean, who's going to know if the vaccinated guys are showing symptoms? I mean, are they going to get checked every day or is it an honor system? Well, it, it, part of it is definitely an honor system. And it's almost sort of like when you have guys who have concussions, like are you reporting the symptoms of having that or not? And really it's not just in – we're talking about COVID, right? It's not just in your best interest but the best interest of the team – if you start saying, well, look, I, I think I may have a sore throat or I think I've got a cough or any of these different things, let me get a test so I don't make sure, so I make sure I don't blow everything up. It's, it is an honor system, but you also have to be thinking about, okay, what is in the best interest of the team? And it's not just the best interest of the team if I'm there and if I play, it's do I prevent the spread of a very contagious and potentially, you know, deadly virus right? it, that I think is something that you have to make sure that players is, is drilled in the player's head. And I think for the most part, guys will do that um, because I don't think guys want to get other guys sick. Now I, I do think when you get to the postseason and it's like, uh Oh, you know, I don't know this could be this, it could be that. I think that guys may start thinking a little bit differently. I hope they won't um, because like I said, it, it's a health issue. It's not just, you know, I have to be available. Um, but, yeah, when you're talking about vaccinated individuals, and if you're asymptomatic, you're just not going to test because that's how we got to the point where you've got upwards of 20 people who feel fine but have still tested positive for the virus and so they can't play. It, it, that's sort of where we are right now um, just with football because the, if people are saying they're fine and there's no evidence that there's transmission when you're on the field, then that's why you just basically are saying, all right, well, let them play. Because ostensibly, if you're a vaccinated individual and you test positive on a Monday, and Monday's when they usually test, then you're probably positive on Sunday. And there's been no evidence that there's been any much transmission um, during those games, even though a positive player may have been playing anyway. So that's kind of why it's gotten to this point. All right. On the field. Is Tyler Huntley a good quarterback, or is Tyler Huntley just the perfect backup for Lamar Jackson in Baltimore's offense? Um, yes, 
I mean, like I realize <laughs> that that is two different things that you just asked me. But no, I, I think that what they've done in Baltimore is establish a program, right? So you know exactly what you need to look for for each position because it's not changing all that much. And that's kind of the benefit of having a coach who's been there for so long and had so much success in Harbaugh, right? You understand exactly how things have to go so that if one player gets taken out, you have another that is probably not necessarily at the same exact caliber, but you can at least run things in the same way. So I think Huntley, yeah, he's done a really nice job, and I think they've done a really nice job of developing him, right? And I, I was really curious to see what it was going to look like with Huntley having an entire week of practice because, you know, those other times that he's been in this year, Lamar Jackson was either practicing or he was expected to play. So, I mean, especially when you're talking about that Browns game on um, the week before. So he's done a good job of being able to come in there and continue to have a steady hand for the offense. Now, I think that they didn't necessarily do him the biggest favor on that two-point play, you know, where you're, like, cutting off half the field and it's basically a one-read play almost. And, like, that's not, I think, helping your quarterback as much as you could. Um, but I, I think that he's done a really nice job. And, yeah, like, there was a tweet floating around yesterday. It's like, oh, well, some teams are probably going to come after this dude. And it's like, hey, if you see um, his performance and you need – a quarterback that you think can maybe come in and be somebody who's a little bit electric on the field, can run with the ball, can throw the ball, can do uh, some things in the offense, then he's probably going to draw a little bit of trade interest um, from different teams in the offseason. Speaking of that last name, once they tell Rich Bisaccia it's been nice, thank you very much for the interim role, would you call Jim Jim Harbaugh? Uh, I would. I would. Because, you know, the thing about the Raiders – is that like there are pieces that you need somebody to bring them all together and make sure that they can reach that next level. Harbaugh has proven that he can do that. He wears on people. And, he, you know, you'll probably get like a good four or five years and then it might be out. But those four or five years really might turn into something. And I think that like – I've been talking to people, you know, about what they think is the better opening, the Jaguars or the Raiders. And honestly, it's a debate because you can say that, oh, well, the Raiders have, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert in their division. But also, I mean, what evidence do you have that Shad Khan is any kind of good owner? I mean, like people, I, because it's like all he's done is lose, 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 lose. And I understand that people would say maybe something similar about Mark Davis, but when you look at it, He's put the Raiders in decent position, right? They're in Las Vegas. They have their own home. They play on a grass field. They have a state-of-the-art facility. Right? There are things that you can say, well, this actually looks really good. You can make a decent – you have a decent veteran quarterback in Derek Carr where you have an unproven rookie in Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence. So, I mean, I'm roundabout answering your question. But, yeah, I, I think that Harbaugh is worth a call just to see if maybe there's some interest there in trying to get back to the NFL because he can probably get you to a place where you're competing on that level with Kansas City and with the Chargers year in and year out. Should every NFL team pick like a group of five guys and make them practice field goals and kickoffs for like 30 minutes every day after practice (laughs) just so they're ready when their kicker gets hurt in warm-ups? So you don't have a Panthers situation? That thing is so... That was so unique yesterday. My gosh, you know, you look at, like, P.J. Walker. 
are trying to kick and it's just like, <laughs> oh no. I saw somebody out of Buffalo just tweet like, oh man, I thought bless his heart situation, which is just not something that you ever want to hear on a football field, bless his heart. So I, it, whenever something like that happens, it's just going to mess you up. And I think I wrote up a game for PFT. And the, the, the Panthers could have done whatever. Like they could have Zane Gonzalez and like, look, they stole a lot that game. So I don't know, man. I, it's not – that's a freak situation, and the best teams have contingency plans for things like that. But even still, like, losing your kicker, you're going to be bleak. Well, he is Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk. Miles, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Miles. Happy holidays, bud. Of course. Same to you guys. Take, Take care. Take care of yourself. Uh, I have not looked enough into this. Why couldn't the punter do it? I have no idea. I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know. This also goes back. Is he back. an Aussie rules punter? Maybe I don't know. He I, doesn't know how to. I feel like that's <laughs> got to be better than PJ Walker trying to toe kick the ball for an extra point. But like, this goes I mean, back to my point from a couple weeks ago. Why do we have a punter and a kicker? Because it's a different skill set. No, you, you cannot possibly tell me they're practicing one type of kicking enough that they don't have time to practice the other. Listen, we've already heard Daniel Carlson and AJ Cole argue about who could beat each other up in a fight. They've got plenty of time. There's no to learn. thumbs, or is that the other guy? No, that's, that's the long, the long snapper. That's the long snapper. They got plenty of time to practice the yes. other type of kicking. I know they're best friends, but they only need one of those guys on the roster. Well, after yesterday, we might go out to the Raiders this week and say, "Hey, look at Carlson. He's punting." <laughs> <laughs> All right, coming up next. I don't know. You'll find out with me. Um, I think what the team really wrapped their mind around was how much we need to move the ball to be a good rhythm offensive basketball team because you don't have AD to book in 22 to 24, you know, maybe 30 on some nights. You can't book that. So you have to rely on the guy next to you to help you. Obviously, Russ and Braun can still go do it. Carmelo against certain matchups can still go do it. But the ball movement, I was really happy with, and I thought that they really bought into that as a key to our game. You're locked in the press box. Congratulations to Reed. He won the pair of tickets to the Las Vegas Bowl at Allegiant Stadium. We'll have another pair to give away tomorrow. Also, another reminder for you, Wednesday, Cofield and Company is their Festivus show. You can call in during the show and complain about anything you want. Hopefully, it's related to us. We very much enjoy that. You can also call in right now and leave a voicemail, 702-473-0050, that they can play on the air. So there's a little more opportunity for you to call in ahead of time, 702-473-0050. Leave a voicemail at that line. Um, I want to read a tweet from you, or for you, um, just from a random woman on Twitter. She said, men pick their favorite sports team when they're like 11 and let it make them upset for the rest of their life. Uh, <laughs> you've seen me, so I don't know who... Uh... She is, but she's spot on with me. I don't know about you, but it she's is spot on with me. One of the most accurate things yes. I've ever read yes. about myself. Yes, exactly. <laughs> because I have not switched. There are not many things in my life that I actually get mad about. But the Astros and Arsenal are two things yeah. that I actually get mad about. And I, yes, chose to be fans of them yeah. when I was like seven years old. You see this, though, in a lot of community like a lot of people who aren't sports fans too like somebody decided to be a dc cinematic universe fan and it just gets mad all the time whenever anyone talks about like 
one of the fact that the DC movies aren't as popular as the Marvel ones, and they're just like, well, you need to, and they get really upset. And so it's, we do this with everything. It's just that sports is the one that's like the most popular. I think, I mean, I've had my teams forever, but I only get mad at one. Dodgers? Yeah. No, I mean, like, like emotionally (laughs) mad. Yes. I'd like my football team to win the Super Bowl. If they don't, I'm not mad. I'm just like, oh, there's no remotes flying at the wall. No chance. Yeah. No. Um, No, I I think like, so Jared, I think your comparison's a good one because like when I watched all of the Star Wars movies uh, last year, I very quickly learned that like everyone who loves Star Wars hates the last three movies. And it's like people get, Jared, shut up. People like get angry that like their favorite thing isn't as good as they thought it was going to be. But I would say the difference in sports is like, we have so many games. Right. Like, right. No, right. that's, that's like, not just true. six. But like, that's, there's 11 that's the Star Wars movies. Right. Yes. But here's the, here's the other thing is, we have so many games to get mad about where these people have months on end of just fuming on a message board about the fact that there was, uh, I, I assume the Star Wars one was like, a same-sex kiss, and it's just like <laughs> I am still angry four years later. There's all. I also think it's a it's a different kind of anger because, like, when I get mad, it's because the Astros or Arsenal lost a game. Somebody was better than them. If you're like a massive Star Wars fan or, or whatever movie series fan, and you get mad, it's because the movie didn't go the way you wanted it to. But the I mean, you... maybe the games didn't either. I mean, yes, but Lived like up to expectations. But like, I don't care how the Astros win a game. Right. Right. In the moment, if somebody no. if somebody's swinging at something in the dirt. That doesn't make your blood pressure well, spike. In, in, in the if, very second, it does. But listen, if they end up winning four three and they stunk, I'll right. take that. And like, okay, it's very dumb for Jose Altuve to swing at pitches at his face. He normally swings and misses, but about seven times a year, he hits one over the fence, and it's the greatest moment of the season. So, like, I don't care if he swings at the pitch at his face and he hits it over the fence. Sounds to win. Yeah, the process can suck if the result is good. But I, for whatever reason, with like don't, movies, don't tell, don't tell, uh, don't the tell Rich Versace the process can suck. But I, I don't know. It, but it is it is a good comparison that people latch on and they because the Star Wars fandom confuses the hell out of me because I'm convinced nobody actually likes Star Wars that likes Star Wars. People that that are Star Wars fanatics they hate 99 percent of Star Wars. I I'm convinced of is it. Is the same true? Did both of you watch all of Harry Potter's? I did watch all of those okay. during the pandemic too. My wife last night watched her first one. We started with number one. She had never watched it. Have you seen them? Not all of them. Oh, okay. Not all of them. Um, I've seen some of them. I've seen some of them. I maybe it's not as big of a fan base, but I don't feel like there's as much hatred for Harry Potter. It as, also oh, follow- Star Wars. No, it also had books to follow, and I guess right. you know didn't and, follow them perfectly necessarily. Right. But there wasn't also a 25 year gap, and then a 10 year <laughs> gap where they took the they had to, although they might have to take the series away from the creator here soon. <laughs> but there's like a. There, there's some elements of you got you got the corporate lawyers involved twice. <laughs> Is I, it ever ever uh, correct for me to start the Star Wars movies? What do you mean? Yeah, well, I've never seen one. Yeah, you should yeah. watch them. Okay, they're very they're, entertaining. They're, they're, it is they're good. it is. I had no problems. Even number one, so far back. Oh yeah, I had no problems. I didn't hate any of it. I thoroughly enjoyed watching all eleven Star Wars movies.